You know something? <laughs> what? We're with the Impact Defense Podcast with Brian, Jada, and Kylie. And I don't know that the audience actually knows which one is Jada and which one is Kylie because we haven't introduced ourselves. I'm pretty sure they can guess which one is Brian. Hi, I'm Jada. Hi, I'm Kylie. You have the news portion. Hmm. We refer to Kylie and have there her do that. the ads a lot That's of times. True. Okay. Gotcha. Welcome to the Impact Defense Podcast. We are dedicated to giving you the information that you need to help keep you safe. Now let's join our hosts, Brian, Jada, and Kylie. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Impact Defense's TikTok. Because apparently, they don't like us trying to teach self-defense to people. Well, you know, anytime we get talking about real self-defense, we get in trouble for something. But in all seriousness, if you guys have a TikTok, go over to TikTok and follow Impact Defense over there. Um, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we did really well. But then TikTok has been punishing us ever since. So. Or, you know, there's also our YouTube. Yes, YouTube, Facebook, all of those things. Instagram. Follow us, please. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for news with your host, me. A young teen in Missouri has defended his own life with a bow and arrow. The Missouri teen was walking across his family's property to a tree stand so he could hunt deer. While on the way to the tree stand, the teen spotted someone trying to steal a lawn tractor and a wood splitter. The teen called his father and alerted him to the thief. Once he arrived, the two confronted the thief. Rather than back down or try to flee the scene, the thief charged the young boy. The teen made repeated attempts to get the man to stop, but when he got too close, the boy knocked an arrow and fired at the thief. The thief would die as a result of the injuries he sustained, and the father and the young man went on unharmed. Holy crap. Wow. Why would he choose to charge the kid with the bow and arrow? (laughs) Apparently he didn't think the kid would do anything with it. Or he thought he could get there beforehand, or... I don't know. What kind of stupid looks and is like, mm, unarmed grown man, kid with sharp things. I'm going to take the sharp things. <laughs> I'm not saying podcast. that the criminal should yeah, I'm, I'm not advocating for the criminal. I'm just saying like... No, hey, listen. If criminals are stupid, then shouldn't we be glad that criminals are stupid? I mean, seriously. Are you good? (laughs) Yeah. Your last two news stories for these things have been really kind of (laughs) odd. I run out of material, okay? (laughs) You've got to find it on the deep, dark corners of DuckDuckGo. (laughs) Because if you look it up on Google... This is not a Google rat kind of podcast. It just brings up bad stories of stuff. Okay. So we need to get on to the actual subject of this podcast. Uh-huh. Take it away, Ernie. Who's Ernie? The bus driver. Other than Kylie's For uh, the wizard uncle. bus in Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't get the reference. I I'm know. I'm sorry, I've never read Harry <laughs> Potter or watched the movies or anything. Just 
just take comfort in knowing I was impersonating a shrunken head. Okay. Okay, so I know this past weekend that you did a competitive shooting thing. <laughs> Um, so how, how did that exactly go? Uh, so yeah, uh, I had never competitively shot. I'd never done anything like that. I'm a shooting instructor, uh, but never done anything competitive. So I, I don't know. I just wanted to go out there and kind of see what it was. And I am a competitive person. So for me, it's just, let's do something. And I am, uh, 41 at this point in time. And for some reason, my wife doesn't want me hopping back in the ring, um, or your daughter. <clears throat> I think nobody nobody likes me when I'm really focused on fighting. So I need to do something competitive. So I just went out there and said, ah, let's give it a shot. Let's shoot competitively. Jada, do you have any questions for him? <laughs> any interesting conversations take place yeah, okay. during so, the competitive shooting thing? Yes. Any interesting conversations? Any at all? Yeah. So Specifically heading, the one that we were discussing for a topic of a podcast. That's what I was about to say. I, I know. So I'm standing there <laughs> in, in the group and one person's shooting and there's just, you know, the rest of us are standing around kind of watching and, and waiting our turn to shoot the stage. And one guy looked at a, another dude who was actually, like this was a small level competitive shooting thing, but um, there was at least four guys there that was like kind of professional level. Um, I know two of which were on a team. Um, these two other guys, I'm pretty sure they were also like professional competitive shooters. Anyway, another guy who was brand new to it was looking at one of these pro-level guys, and he says, hey, I got a question for you. He says, do you think that doing competition like this would actually hurt you in an actual self-defense situation? Like kind of create bad habits and different things like that. Because while there are fault lines, there's no rules stating that you have to be behind cover necessarily. Although there were times where we did because the fault line was right up on something. So you would have to kind of pop out from cover because you couldn't let your feet pass over a certain line. Um, there were times where we had to actually drop down and shoot underneath things and stuff like that. So there was that. But there wasn't anything specifically saying you had to reload behind cover. There was, you know, certain things like that. And so he was kind of afraid that shooting competitive like that was going to actually hurt him uh, when it comes to defensive shooting. Now, I guess before we delve deeper into that, we might want to talk about what you kind of have to have to shoot competitively. Like what you're judged on. And what you have to practice to be able to do that. Um, is it more target acquisition based? Okay. Is it more drawing speed? So like, I had no idea when I was heading into this. I, did, I didn't know anything about it. All I know, competitive action pistol. <laughs> That's all I knew. Which was pretty... Apparently it was something like the uh, IPSC... Um, and I would love to tell you exactly what that was, but I'm not positive on that. <laughs> I know there is a IPSC and there is IDPA. That's the two big pistol-type competitions. This one was more like IPSC, which is kind of freestyle. You can move around. There's different categories. People had little compact guns. Uh, people had every... Well, some was pretty small. But it was different, different divisions. Uh, and then they had, like, standard stock guns, and then they had, like... Um, 
what they had to open. I had a red dot on my pistol, uh, so I, would ha- I automatically had to be in the open category. But anyway, the the way it worked was there was somebody with a, a timer behind you, and they would call you to go, and you were judged on speed plus penalties, so whatever your total time was. So you would run up, you would draw. They, you had to start out in different positions. One time we had to start with our hands against a wall. One time we had to start uh, with our hands up. One time we had to start with our hands down by our side. One time we had to start with sitting down. You know, it's just different things in different stages. It was five stages. And you would draw and run to your first target. Your goal was to put two shots on every cardboard target in the A zone. A zone's that little strip right through here or the head. Okay. And then every cardboard target had to have uh, two shots in it. And then if it was steel, you just had to shoot it one time. And you just had to make it ring. But basically, everything else you had, there were hostages at times. So the cardboard silhouette was on the other side. And you couldn't shoot the hostages. Uh, Sometimes part of the target was shaded. So you couldn't shoot the shaded part because that was considered hard cover. Um, And anything like this would be a miss or a penalty. If you shot the C zone, it was uh, one second extra to your time. If you shot the D zone, the outside, that was two seconds added to your time. If you shot a hostage, well, if you missed, so you shot the shaded part or you just missed the cardboard completely, that was five seconds added to your time. If you happened to shoot a hostage at any point, that was um, 15 seconds added to your time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they really, if you shot a hostage, you, you, you had a lot to, to fix. So. so how did you do in that? Okay. Well, I shot I shot well. I was not pushing my speed yet because I'd never done anything like this. So I wasn't like running and pushing it uh, too hard right now. Um, I enjoy competition, so I'm going to. But I ended up coming somewhere right around kind of middle of the road, uh, which I was okay with. My goals were don't get disqualified for any kind of safety infraction and don't come in dead last. I came in 15 out of 33. Um, I'm, That's pretty good. I'm, 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 Your first time doing it. I'm not uh, too too mad at that, I guess. But uh, I didn't shoot any hostages. I shot, you know, the A zone. I didn't have a whole lot of penalties. I just did not push my speed a whole lot. So. Okay. So everyone else is worried about competitive shooting translating to self-defense and – you specialize in self-defense and are trying to translate that into competitive shooting. So really, in an aspect of comparison, you're in a good way <laughs> place to do that. So we, you already kind of gave us a breakdown of how you were graded for uh, your shooting in competition. Yeah. What are your quote-unquote things that you're graded on in self-defense well you know a lot of the things that it was doing i noticed um was you're moving from one target to the next target very quickly you're making sure you don't shoot certain targets um in in one case you had a hostage at the very last stage that we shot we had a hostage that was covering up everything on the person that you had to shoot except for their head and it was 25 yards away so you had to do a 25 yard headshot uh you actually do two of those um 
And so it's really forcing you to make sure that you don't shoot something you're, and somebody you're not supposed to. And it's forcing you not to shoot or, or, or shoot in the A zone. And that A zone, it's a defensive target. So that A zone is considered like the best area to shoot anyway. Did um, you say 25 yards? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Oh, Jada, it's a gun. It's simple. Don't you know? Anybody that doesn't shoot knows how easy that is. And anybody that does shoot knows how hard that is, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, that was, uh, it, it was, it was really interesting. Uh, but anyway, if it, it forced you to go from one target to the next quickly, it forced you to move. And try your best to shoot center mass as much as humanly possible. Um, it forced you to pay attention not to shoot people you were not supposed to shoot or things you were not supposed to shoot. We did have to shoot around walls and stuff like that at times. Around walls, around barrels, uh, underneath walls. Uh, so there was some definite defensive shooting in there. But the fact, I guess the one thing that I saw in this whole situation was you can reload right out in the open if you want to and that's you know perfectly fine but like there was a lot of skills that i see that are transferable over all right sorry i rambled there for a second so basically your question just shush just (laughs) your question about what we're graded on quote unquote graded on for self-defense really you want a, a shot that stops a threat okay and since we in in the competition you're going for a zone shots you know those are shots that stop a threat i mean that's the whole point of them so now let's talk about real life penalties okay okay now in a competition penalties just take a total off of your end score well actually they add because the longer the oh sorry well that's it's all good anyway um in real life what consequences a penalty? Well, if you have a stray round, or if you miss your target, you could hit an innocent person. And you are responsible for every single round that comes out of your gun. You're legally responsible. So if, if I run over here and I pull a trigger and I shoot somebody that I did not intend to shoot, if I shoot an innocent person, I'm responsible for, you know, any medical whatever that person or possibly even death. That's, my, that's on my head. So, you know, obviously that's a lot more stout than just 15 seconds added to your time. Now you're talking about target acquisition and speed. Mm-hmm. There are aspects to those things that help you a lot in self-defense and if you were to use a firearm in self-defense can we get a kind of comparison for you on what you know about self-defense and now what you know about competitive shooting and see if you can hash out a little bit of more of the things that a competitive shooter would be worried about um Translating over to self-defense or what would work the best for them about what they do. Well, that target acquisition is really, really good. If you can figure out who the bad guys are, especially if they happen to be, I think uh, several podcasts back you were talking about one, we were, when we were talking about home defense, you are talking about like one guy's house, four people, four armed men broke into his house. Um, 
being able to move from one target to the next target to the next target, this competition shooting would help with that a lot because you are moving very, very quickly. Your goal is to move very quickly, um, to move from one target to that next target to that next target, and so on. Uh, so in a self-defense situation, if you have multiple targets, if you have multiple threats, uh, then putting rounds on any of those as fast as possible, that's a great, great thing. Now, what are some aspects of the competitive part that might hurt them in self-defense? I think it goes back to that one thing. The only thing that I really, really saw is it doesn't... There are certain areas. Everything's worked by fault lines. So if they want to make sure that you are behind cover, there's a line that comes out and you have to kind of reach out. You have to reach out beyond cover in order to actually, um, you know, get to your target or, or see your target or whatever. But... It doesn't matter. There's, you know, basically you have to reload. Because uh, usually there's more rounds than what people have uh, in their gun. And there are usually mandatory reloads. And every, in every one of those stages, there was a mandatory reload. When you reload, you can just reload standing there in the open. Uh, there was there was one stage where we went, I think it was stage two, where we took off and shot four targets from behind cover and then you have to go shoot through a window and shoot at like three different targets and then you run back to another area and for me and I didn't really think about it at the moment until after this guy's question uh, and kind of looking back on everything but for me I ran back and got out and we were I was kind of in the open on the other side of a wall and I did a reload and then shot so I'm standing if it's a self-defense situation I'm standing in an open area reloading I think the other thing would be if you are running with a gun in reality, there is no quote unquote safe zone. There is no safe direction necessarily if there's a crowd of people. So in competitive shooting, you have to constantly keep that gun pointed downrange. So if I'm shooting, 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 and then I turn around and run, I have to make sure the gun is pointing back in the direction of, you know, downrange. In reality, I can bring the gun to what's called sul, which is like up here but pointing at the ground, or I can put it temple, which is setting it like exactly like it says, setting the side on my temple where it's pointing up. And I know that either one of those, it's generally safe and it's not going to you know go off and hit. But you can't do that in competition, so you have to keep it pointed in that direction and run the opposite direction at times. Well, it's just a, bad, a slightly bad habit to build yeah, for yeah. self It's not something you can't get over. Let's talk about that aspect that we talk about all the time um, where we're asking people to put themselves in situations that put some pressure on them so that they get used to working under some pressure so they don't yes. go into condition black. That was, that was evident. Um, the first stage I shot, and it's, it's basically like this anytime you're doing something new and something gets that adrenaline flowing. Um, we started out, uh, first stage I shot, uh, drew the gun, run down, shot targets, uh, moved, shot some targets. But what I was talking about earlier about some of the targets were shaded where you couldn't hit in certain areas. Well, this one particular target was shaded. And in that moment, in that adrenaline and everything else is flowing in that moment, I did not see and notice that the bottom half of this target was shaded. So when I took my two shots, one of those two shots went into the shaded area because I did, it didn't even register to me that 
in that moment that part of it was shaded. Uh, and it's just adrenaline. And I ran over and shot and shot and finished up the stage. And it wasn't until afterwards that I realized what I had done. And I, I remember I, I never even thought about the fact that part of this thing is shaded. It never registered in my brain that it was. So you're going to have these moments. And that's going to help push you in an area to be more and more observant when you have a gun in your hand. Um, I'm used to being really observant when I'm standing in front of somebody and fighting because that's where I come from, you know. Uh, but that whole idea of, you know, now shooting with a gun in my hand and thinking about, oh, I can't shoot down here. After the first stage, there were shaded targets on every single stage. And some of them were like crazy. You could barely see any of the A zone. There was like only a tiny little area you could see. After that first experience with that, it all registered really, really well with me after that. But that's just that adrenaline and getting past that adrenaline um, and getting used to the adrenaline of that particular situation. And I noticed that like some people who had not done any kind of like competition like at all. You know, I come out of a fighting background. I'm kind of used to that adrenaline from there. Uh, we do a lot of stress training uh, for self-defense and stuff like that. I noticed that like guys that did not have any kind of background like that that came into this there was three of us that were brand new to competitive shooting at the tournament or at this competition. And one guy, the adrenaline was pumping through him so much. Through the first several stages, he shot every single hostage because that adrenaline was just flowing so much he didn't realize. And we've noticed that when we put people on the simulator. You know, they're just shooting good guys as well as bad guys because, you know, that adrenaline's flowing. So what are all your thoughts on how competitive shooting relates to self-defense? All right, so kind of overall, I would say, actually my suggestion would be this. If you do some defensive shooting, if you train in defensive shooting, go and, and compete, even if it's just one time. You get that adrenaline flowing, you get all this other stuff going, um, and it will help you out a lot. I really believe that. If you are a competitive shooter, and that is what you do. Go get some self-defense training to go along with it. I think both of those things help each other out tremendously, which is why in November you're going to shoot competitively as well. Uh, I can tell how excited she is on that one. <laughs> so everybody remembers the podcast back a while back where we were talking about doing stuff that gets you out of your comfort zone and everything else. You're going with me in November to shoot competitively. <laughs> but yeah, I, I honestly think that it is, it's a good thing. Uh, it can't be the only thing. You can't look at competitive shooting as the be all end all for self-defense shooting, but it is, it will help you. I really thoroughly believe that, especially at this point. If you guys are enjoying this podcast, go ahead and go over to Apple Podcast, rate us and leave a review. Here's one of our reviews right here. This podcast has made me think so much differently about self-defense. There's so much that I did not consider. Awesome. <laughs> All right, guys, so thank you so very much for uh, listening to our podcast today. Uh, if you are a shooter, if you shoot at all, I, I do I highly suggest get out and just try at some little small pistol competition. It will help you out when it comes to defensive shooting. Uh, again, it's not the be-all, end-all, but it will definitely help you out. Stay safe, stay alert, and we'll see you guys in the next podcast. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Impact Defense Podcast. 
If you would like to learn more about how to keep yourself safe, check out the articles, videos, courses, and seminars at www.impactdefense.online. We also do training for security teams, churches, businesses, groups, and more. Stay sharp, stay focused, and train hard.